Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Earlier this year, I moderated a panel at the RSA Security Conference on Information Risk Management, and one of the panelists was Ron Ross of the National Institute of Standards and Technology. He told attendees that the biggest information risk organizations face today is complexity, and one way to help ease that complexity was to move data to the cloud. I mentioned Ron's comments to Purdue University Computer Science Professor Gene Spafford, and he voiced some reservations about that approach. Today, we have Ron Ross and Gene Spafford together to discuss the role of the cloud in the information risk management framework. Ron Ross is a NIST fellow and computer scientist and one of the world's foremost authorities on information risk management. Gene Spafford, besides being a computer science professor, serves as executive director of Purdue's Center for Education and Research in Information Assurance and Security and is among the field's top information security experts. Welcome, Ron. Welcome, Spaff. Hello. Good afternoon, uh, uh, Spaff. Good to be with you, and Eric also. We'll start off with Ron. Why is complexity the biggest IT security risk, and how can the cloud help mitigate that risk? It's no doubt that the federal government today and many of our private sector organizations are building very complex information systems. So lots of hardware, software, firmware applications. All of this complexity really goes back to the basic uh, principles of computer science. And if you go back to some of our basic principles, you have to really understand what you have, how it's all put together, uh, what are the information flows, how do you enforce policies across all these complex entities. And it just gets harder and harder the larger our digital footprint grows. And so that's why we're hoping that uh, some of the new computing paradigms, some of the new technologies uh, provided by the cloud computing environments with lots of virtualization can help us manage and reduce that complexity. The cloud provides opportunities for organizations to make some decisions about the criticality and sensitivity of their data. So they have a lot of different data types in the federal government. They have lots of different missions, and, and all data is important, but it's not all critical. Some data can be moved off to the public cloud, and being able to decide where your critical assets are, what data is actually the most critical, and things you want to retain within your own uh, organizational boundaries. If you can make those kinds of decisions and then move some of the other data, which is less important, into the public cloud, where maybe your risk might be a little bit greater and you can decide whatever your risk tolerance might be. That's at least a first step to try to reduce some of that complexity. So what remains behind within your organization is more manageable. In part, I definitely agree with Ron in that good security, good risk management requires that you have an understanding of what your assets are, where they're located, where the vulnerabilities are in your defenses, what the threats are, and how to counter them. All of those are important in protecting those assets. And complexity makes that more difficult because it's much more difficult to keep in mind all the threats, the vulnerabilities, where the assets are located, and so on. Moving things into a cloud environment may not reduce complexity. It may add to it because you may not know then where your assets are, how they're protected, and what the threats are to them. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that part. In fact, I guess it depends on what part of the problem we're looking at. What I'm suggesting is that even if you go to the public cloud, and there, there is going to be some degree of complexity in the public clouds. If you look at some of the major cloud providers, they have just lots of customers, and there's lots of information technology within those different cloud providers' environments. However, what, what I'm saying is, is that that type of information that you consider maybe less important, less critical, if you move that to the public cloud, even if there is some complexity out there in the cloud, it reduces the complexity on your side of the problems. That information that may be at greater risk, maybe not, depending on what your risk tolerance is, we use our FIPS 199 as our categorization standard, so we can divide information up into one of three different categories, either low, moderate, or high impact. 
so the FedRAMP program, for example, which is the Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program that's operated by GSA, that's the program that's dealing with the uh, cloud services for the federal government. They've developed specific requirements for low-impact and moderate-impact cloud systems. They haven't done it yet for the high-impact because the, the data at the high-impact range being much more critical. We define that as information that's so critical that it could have a severe catastrophic effect on a federal agency's mission or business operations if that information were compromised or there was a system breach. But the low and the moderate data that we've got specific requirements defined for that now, and our federal agencies now are starting to move into the, the FedRAMP program and, and be able to move some of that data at the low and moderate ends uh, off to the public clouds. In some sense, I agree with what Spaff said, but it reduces complexity on our side of the fence, not necessarily on the cloud provider side. And I think your remarks there actually illustrate two of the problems that I have, particularly when people are talking about the cloud being more secure or providing simplification. You qualified that in two ways. First of all, you said uh, moving the low and moderate risk. So first of all, you have to understand the criticality of your services and data sufficiently well that you can determine which ones you might move. And many organizations don't have that understanding or they aren't separable. And the second is the public cloud as versus a private or a hybrid cloud. And too often inside organizations, they're told that moving things to the cloud will be safer and cheaper. And cheaper, of course, as we know, is always what tends to dominate these conversations and lead to new vulnerabilities. The generic, it will be less complex to move to the cloud or it will be safer to move to the cloud, is too often as far as decision makers bother to look. They don't look for the nuances that obviously you're aware of and that are documented. Well, again, I think uh, it's, uh, uh, don't disagree with that. I think uh, the challenge for every organization, and I think SPAF, as you just illustrated, is to really have a good handle on, on what is critical, what is important within the organization's mission space and, and how they're supporting their customers. We assume that organizations can do that. Um, it doesn't always get down, down to the level of every specific data type because they're dealing with a lot of different data types. I think one of the things that the feds are doing now, give a, a shout out to our the NARA organization, the National Archives and Records Administration. They recently became the, the executive agent for the executive order for controlled unclassified information. So they've worked with every federal agency in developing uh, common data types for the federal government. And they're now in the process of assigning levels of protection to those different data types. That's going to help provide more of a structure. We have something in our uh, special publication 800 60, which goes with our FIPS publication I just mentioned where you categorize low, moderate, and high. The NARA work is going to help provide more structure. Having that structure now is one thing, but actually using it and executing to, to make those decisions so you can take the next step in, in moving information to different environments, that's another issue. Having said that, there is a need, as Staff said, to understand the nuances of the cloud. So there are cost issues going to the cloud. It isn't always cheaper to go to the cloud because you've got to sometimes restructure some of your basic mission business processes to make them cloud-enabled, if you will, because it's more of an on-demand type of a service. So there could be some greater costs initially moving to the cloud as you restructure those types of things. Part of that process, and this is again tied back not just to cloud but also to enterprise architecture, I believe just going through that, that analysis where you, you, you're categorizing your different data types, you're looking at your different mission and business processes, you're trying to find consolidation, optimization, standardization opportunities within some of these very large infrastructures. I think just going through that drill provides you an opportunity to understand a little more about how things are, are put together within 
within that IT infrastructure today and where there's opportunities to reduce and manage that complexity. And when, when I say that, I mean getting smaller in a good way because we have a lot of redundancy. Sometimes it's not always necessary. It's not a trivial task, but I think it's one that it's tractable. It's something that organizations can take on. And I think it's a good investment of their time because long-term, I think they're going to be saving a great deal of money if they can re-engineer some of these basic uh, mission business processes for making them more cloud-enabled. I would add to this uh, just another aspect, though, as looking at this re-engineering. A lot of organizations don't know how to do that. We don't have good procedures and tools to do that effectively. But the visibility into the cloud environment, not only the current cloud environment that we might be using out in a public arena, a public cloud, but where it will be in five or ten years significantly complicates making these decisions. And And the way I mean that is, first of all, knowing exactly what the fault tolerance measures are at some of these public cloud vendors, continuity of access, integrity of the data, maintaining the confidentiality against leakage, knowing what those measures are, and knowing that they will be kept at the appropriate level for as long as our data and services reside there is a major challenge. The cloud providers doing this as a contractual service will have certainly service guarantees written into a contract, but for things that are very valuable, there is a chance that the cloud provider can mess up, possibly even go out of business, and the recourse that's normally contractually available can be far less than the value of the services and the data and even being able to retrieve them. Having a cloud provider, for instance, go out of business or have all of their disks confiscated by a law enforcement agency is a contingency that is very difficult for many organizations to plan for or to think about, particularly several years down the line. Now if we add a second layer on top of that, which is one of the goals of the cloud is location independence because you want the elasticity, you want the service provision. If some of those are located across jurisdictional borders, it's now the case where things that we are operating with, data that we are storing, may be subject to laws that are different than what we expect because the data is is going someplace other than what we expect. And we're already seeing that in some respects, some multinational corporations that are bound by privacy laws in Europe, Canada, other places that are more stringent than in the U.S. do not want to use cloud providers in the U.S. because once their data is located here, it doesn't have the same protections. It may be subject to search under national security letters, other kinds of issues. They have a concern. We haven't quite seen U.S. companies get that same visibility and awareness yet. I'm concerned here when people talk about the cloud, these issues are not brought out. It's, it's one of those, it's a great thing, it'll save money, but, but no one hears anything after the but. Ron, the FedRAMP program, which the agencies use to vet providers, do they address some of the concerns the SPAC just mentioned? Yeah, they do. Actually, in fact, we've talked about some of those issues. And so when you talk about complexity, I guess we have two different aspects of complexity. We have the complexity that is actually involved in in building the infrastructure. Then there's the complexity of the operational side that Spath just mentioned, where you've got laws, you've got cross-jurisdiction, you've got lots of things that can come into play that can complicate the operation of that cloud as far as how it appears to the customer on the customer side. So in the FedRAMP program, one of the things that we've done is the FedRAMP uses the controls in 800-53. 
one of our special publications. Those controls also go as deep as you would like. In other words, if you want to address the one concern that Spath mentioned about having the data stored in jurisdictions that may not be easy to get access to as far as forensics go if there's an incident, you can require in your cloud provider's requirements set in the FedRAMP, there are controls that you can draw upon that require the provider to store the data within a U.S. facility, for example, or on U.S. territory. What we tell our customers is if you put that requirement in your RFP, for example, in your procurement, you may limit what cloud providers may respond because it may be too onerous a requirement for some providers and they may not bid on that contract. But it's a contractual relationship and if it's really important to you to have that knowledge about where your data is stored, that is a contractual requirement that you can put into the contract. And I think the other point that Seth brought up was a good one. We've talked about this for a long time. The contingency plan if something happens to the cloud provider. So in our control catalog, in our contingency planning family, we have a whole set of controls that organizations typically are required to implement with regard to their continuity of operations contingency planning. When those go to, to the FedRAMP program, for example, the, the cloud provider now has to provide those contingency plans, and it has to be consistent with what you would expect in your own contingency planning operations. And some of the things that we have cautioned the federal agencies about who are using FedRAMP is that if a cloud provider goes bankrupt, as Spaff was saying before, and you have data in a cloud provider systems at the moderate level, that's by definition, if that data is compromised, a serious potential adverse impact on your operations. And, and with that knowledge, the only recourse you may have is to chase that provider through the court system because if they go bankrupt, you're going to be with all the other folks lined up trying to get restitution, and it may take months and months and months, if ever, that gets resolved. There has to be, that consideration has to be on the table if you're putting moderate-level data into the cloud. And I think uh, Spath makes a good point that that visibility doesn't always come about for every organization that may be potentially thinking about going to the cloud. So these are issues that we should be talking about. Then when you go into that relationship, that contract with the cloud provider, you, you go with your eyes wide open. You understand what the implications are if that provider goes belly up or if that facility has a fire or there's an earthquake and the, the cloud provider services are down, what's their backup plan? There are ways to do that and do it in, in a manageable way with regard to your risk tolerance. And I would just add to that, there are two additional things there. The first is that organizations need to understand the size of business that they would be bringing to a cloud provider, how much negotiating room they actually have to get statements built into contracts or service agreements. For many smaller organizations, they don't have the purchasing clout, and they should read the agreements very carefully because the cloud providers may very significantly limit their liability or their service requirements because they don't have to go out of their way. Again, the government is certainly a different purchasing entity than many smaller businesses who are being uh, sold the idea of moving to the cloud. The, the second issue is that something that's been talked about and promoted as a benefit of the cloud to many smaller organizations is that the size of the cloud providers allows them to aggregate resources and apply better security or better backup than smaller organizations can provide on their own. They can employ full-time people who know more about issues or they can license security software that's better. It's really important that organizations capture guarantees on that because many of the cloud providers will make claims that it's better but they aren't actually putting those services in place. They're saying it's really up to the customers to protect their own data, that they're just providing the spinning real estate for disk or the, or the virtual CPUs for the uh, services. 
or platforms. And one of those things, it's a visibility, it's an awareness issue. I think the cloud has great potential for small businesses that can't afford a big investment in their own platforms and services, but they have to be able to approach it with their eyes wide open and understand the trade-offs. Everything that I've seen at conferences and the promotional literature, not everybody's being honest about this or giving it enough detail, particularly for those who aren't versed in security. I would agree with that, and I, I think that's one of the uh, things in the FedRAMP program we've tried to address. Uh, the General Services Administration and the FedRAMP program, we've uh, NIST has helped them build this third-party independent assessment organizations. They're actually accredited organizations under international standards, so they can go into a cloud provider, and if that provider has made a claim that they have put in the NIST security controls at the low or the moderate impact level, they, those controls actually get assessed for effectiveness by this independent organization. The cloud provider actually hires those folks to come in, they pick the, the organization that's been accredited. And that, I think, addresses maybe not all of SPAS's concerns, but some of his concerns about making sure the cloud provider is actually doing what they say they're going to do. Now, you can go control by control, and that assessment will give you evidence back that will help you make that final risk-based decision. Certainly, Cloud providers are no different than the feds and their systems. There are going to be controls that you thought went into the system that never made it. There's going to be some controls that went in. They're not quite as effective as you thought because there was a problem with implementation. All of these things that we've been discovering in our own systems for years, now that visibility will hopefully be there uh, for the cloud providers as well. And this is not a gotcha drill as much as it is providing the feds with good information so they can make good risk-based decisions. You know, for small organizations that don't have that ability to have the, the largest investments or the big investments for the controls, the FedRAM program really can provide a, a great value for, for some of the smaller organizations or even mid-sized organizations that can leverage some of the work that's done that all the agencies can take advantage of. We'll continue this exchange of ideas on the role cloud computing plays in addressing complexity in the information risk management framework in a future episode of this podcast. Please be on the lookout for it. For NIST, Ron Ross and Purdue University's Gene Spafford, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.